Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily for Thursday. This is Bill Landis and I am joined by a special guest today that is Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. He's a senior writer who covers all things football, but the reason we have him on today <laughs> is to talk about the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, he is, right. He's a former beat writer covering, covering the Wolverines, uh, well-versed in Jim Harbaugh's program. And uh, yes, we are going to keep kind of picking at this scab here, uh, looking <laughs> at Ohio State's loss uh, as we kind of wait to see what the postseason fate of the Buckeyes is. Uh, we want to talk with Nick about kind of how the, the gap has closed on the field between these two teams. But, but Nick, before that, I... I find myself in a weird place right now because yeah. it's not it's not impossible that Ohio I know. State and Michigan could play again before yeah. the season's over. Uh, how does that possibility hit you? It's interesting. You're living the life that I uh, feel like I used to live every single year. Well, not every year because a lot of the years Michigan was just bad. But like any time Michigan was good, they'd go lose to Ohio State, and then you'd have that weird like week. I guess, yeah, because it would be like a little longer than that even. It would be like a week to 10 days to wait through the Big Ten title game and let's see if anything. It never did, of course, but there was always that like, well, maybe this will happen again, and how weird would that be? And it was always like, to me, it always felt weird. Michigan fans were always like, sometimes they were like, yeah, I want to do it again, and sometimes they were like, no, (laughs) we want no part of it again. But I was always kind of like, I feel like it would be unfair <laughs> to the winner of that game to have to go through that and then have to do it again. But, like, I actually remember one time um, at Big Ten Media Days, I think it was, it must have been, because Urban Meyer was there. It was, like, one of the first or second years um, he'd been he'd been at Ohio State. And someone asked him about that because that was, like, when the divisions were the legends and leaders. Remember that? Like, there was a possibility, yeah. like, it could be repeated. And I remember him being like, I did that, basically. Uh, it was like Florida, Florida State, and then he had to gear up and go play, like, Bama or whatever in the SEC title game. And he was like, it was like death, more or less. Like, you all, you know, to go through that. And he's like, so I want no part of it. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, Ohio State, I'm sure, you know, you'd love it because it's your only hope there. But I don't think Michigan would like that at all. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> The funny, the, the funny thing is, people people have been like talking about it a little bit yeah. this, this week since the game, and I think the consensus is that if they played again, Ohio State would still be favored. Oh um, yeah, I think probably right. <laughs> yeah, by by like a point or two, probably nothing nothing crazy, but favored nonetheless after losing mm-hmm. at home by three touchdowns uh, in, in another in another lopsided loss. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. It's a lopsided loss to Michigan. Back to back losses for them. Uh, you wrote what I thought was a really good piece on the Athletic this week about sort of how Michigan got to the point where it could beat Ohio State, I guess, the mm-hmm. way that Ohio State had become accustomed to uh, beating Michigan for, for the seven years under Irvin Meyer and the first right. year under Ryan Day. Um, and there are a lot of things to get into there, but but I guess um, maybe maybe to start, I'll start with this. So the, the thing that's really kind of struck me as I've looked back at these last two games is that Michigan has scored 12 touchdowns and Ohio State has scored <laughs> five and um, that is uh, a little mind blowing to me. So yeah. um, we'll we'll talk about Michigan's defense in a second because that's really important. And, and I think in terms of how things have transpired, but offensively for Michigan, how did it get to this point where all of a sudden it can keep pace with an Ohio State offense that had been pouring points on it for a few years? It's like one of the fascinating things in football, I think, right now is the evolution of Jim Harbaugh as an offensive football coach um, and it. And it's like you said, Bill, it's, there's so much that goes into that. And there's frankly so many people, I think, that have, like, he's a guy that takes from everybody that comes along, right? Like, 
he hires and works with so many different coaches and there's so much burnout with Harbaugh that people come and go, but he does remember a lot and he borrows. So he worked with Gaddis, he worked with Hamilton. And over time I could sort of see, I could see how all the things he wanted to do as an offense, it all made sense, but it was like, you're running this wrong. This can't work like this. It can't be bully ball like that. It's gotta be, you've got to get athletes out here and you've got to spread the football out. And once he started to sort of figure that out, you could tell that it was just like, okay, he just needs to get the line right, and then he needs to get a quarterback who doesn't screw him. And this thing could probably be – and that was around like 2018 is when I was like, and this thing could probably be pretty cool. And then they went and got Shea Patterson. And that's when I was like, that's – I don't – what are you doing? So, you know, it was – it was back and forth and up and down, and it was all this, like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And then finally it got to a point where, you know, everything was on the line for him. And, you know, last year they talked so much about, you know, the staff was really good. He hired a good staff, and he's had good staffs before. But they talked so much about scrape everything away and just focus on we want to move the ball. That's it. I don't care if we throw it six times a game and everybody makes fun of us for that. If we run it 40 different times because our line can handle that, we're going to we're going to churn people off the field and that'll be our identity. That's just, that will be what we are. And, you know, we won't apologize for it or anything else. And, you know, they had a talented roster. They had a group that was broken and ready for something new and a different focus. And that's what it was. It was a lot of things kind of clicking together at once, a lot of trial and error that had gone wrong. And Harbaugh, you know, finally, I think getting everybody, in the right spots of what he's always kind of wanted this to look like. A modern Stanford is what I've always thought he wanted Michigan to be on offense. And some of that would be Colin Kaepernick stuff that he had in San Francisco. Some of that would be the old school power stuff that you just spread out more. But I feel like that's where they're at now. It's modern Stanford. This is not an easy offense to learn. You have to be smart to get it. But once you get it, man, like it, it's hard to stop as we've seen. Yeah, that, that that to me sort of speaks to, uh, I guess maybe the the coaching advantage in this game and just just really how yeah. it's tilted almost entirely to to Michigan's ad- advantage. And and it's funny, like you you mentioned, you know, M- Michigan can run forty different things in its run game because their players can handle it. Right. And, and I look at that kind of juxtaposed to Ohio State's run game, and I and I feel like I can ask you because I know you you watch more than Michigan, you watch a ton of college yeah. football, so I know you're familiar with how Ohio State operates. Absolutely, yeah. Ohio State, like, I feel like has no idea what it wants to be running the football sometimes, like, to the point where, like, it abandoned the things that had been working for it in the Michigan game, tried some new stuff, some of it worked, some of it didn't, and then they just sort of got away from the run entirely. Like, the idea that that Michigan is so locked in on running the football, doing it efficiently, doing it a million different ways, and meanwhile, Ohio State, like, can't pull its head out of its butt when it's trying to figure out how to to design a run game is, like, those two things – lined up next to each other. I just, I don't know how it got to that point. Uh, you know, and this was my thing when I, mean, I was there that day that they hired Ryan Day. I went down uh, to Columbus because I wanted to see it. I was like, when Urban, you know, I'm resigning and we're hiring Ryan Day and the whole thing, I wanted to see the handoff and the whole thing. And I remember thinking at the time, like, of course, Ryan Day is a super smart coach and I still think he is. And, you know, offensive minded in general um, has a lot of terrific ideas and it's no accident. It's not just because, Ohio State's Ohio State that they get these receivers, right, or quarterbacks to come play for him. It's Ryan Day, and it's his mind and everything else. But I remember thinking at the time, um, they're going to change this. This is going to be different. This is It already was. In 2018, it had become a pass-based you know, situation. Urban 
dominate everybody doing kind of what Harbaugh's doing right now in a different way. They had a run scheme that was as good as anything you'd see in the country. And you, I remember thinking, like, it's going to be really hard, not impossible if they just get loaded athletes in here, of course, but it's going to be really hard to be a, you know, a team that is expected to dominate everybody all the time by passing the ball because, like, it's just harder to do, right? It's harder to do up here. It's harder to do where, where we live, you know, in the Midwest. I mean, and in general, you can throw sand in the gears a lot easier on a pass offense defensively than you can a really good run team. So you're 100% right, Bill. Like, Ryan Day uses the run game as just his off-speed pitch. A general, I don't really care what it is. It's a run. I don't care what it is. Call a run. I don't care. Like, and it can't, you know, and that's, I think, how simple it gets to where is as amazing and, and complex and terrific as that pass game is, the run game is like, that. Sh- it should be that way too. Like, that should be what they're challenging themselves, I feel like, to have. And if they can get to that point, and I still think that it's, I mean, look, Ryan Day's 45-5, and five, is that right? Was that his 50th That's game? Right. Yep. I still think that he's got plenty of time to, to do that. It's just he's not there, though. And, you know, that's been probably the biggest wake-up here, I think, if you're Ohio State in general. Uh, I want to put a pin in that for just a second um, as it pertains to throwing sand in the gears of a passing. Yeah, right. uh, Because I think Michigan did that very well. Exactly. Before that, um, you in in your story you wrote um, after the game, um, you made or I guess you labeled J.J. McCarthy a mistake eraser, Mm -hmm. which I thought was um, a pretty apt description of how he performed in that game. Right. And I, I, we did, uh, we've done a few podcasts now talking about the game, but, but one of my bigger takeaways that I mentioned here before coming out of that game was that it feels like Ohio State suffers from a lack of that at the quarterback position. 100%. And, and for, for all of CJ Stroud's strength, I just think that's not one of them. And I know part of your job is, is doing a lot of NFL draft stuff and evaluating guys that way. And I know you've watched, you've watched CJ quite mm-hmm. a bit. What, what do you make of his, playmaking ability, particularly compared to JJ's in this game, and how, if at all, that might have hurt Ohio State or has hurt Ohio State over the last two years. Yeah, his definite lack of feel in the pocket, or the stuff that we see displayed anyway, um, is there. And, you know, the stuff that get that used to get knocked on fields was, it wasn't that, it was that, you know, sometimes he would stick on, you know, his first or second read and he wouldn't get to the third. It wasn't that he had lack of feel. Like, Justin always knew when to get out, like, if the pressure was coming, when to go. Um, and that's a complicated offense and everything else. And there's part of me that wonders, like, is there too much going on with what he's being asked to do, you know, from an everything standpoint offensively to where it's getting to where a little something is coming at him and he's freaking out. I don't know what it is, but that's 100%, you know, the difference in that game. And it's been something it's, you know, I, I see people on Twitter a lot like, you know, they should run him more. And I'm, I'm like, well, you know, I fine if you want to, but I don't necessarily think that they should run Stroud more. I think that they should work more with him on, like, it's okay if, you know, a defensive tackle beats that guard. He might recover and pick him up. Like, you don't have to panic, like, right away. I think that there's so much with CJ that, like, everything has to be perfect or it goes awry. And I think that that's him... To me, that's him reflecting the head coach because, I mean, they work yeah. so hand-in-hand hand together. He is a terrific passer. When his feet are under him, the ball go. you know, I mean, we see it's a highlight reel. I mean, you can see when they get into a rhythm out there, even that gets why everybody was so frustrated right on the fourth down when he punts, where he had, I guess it was a fake punt that they tried. But yeah. either way, you saw how the rhythm he gets into, and it's like, that's electric. That's top three stuff. But when he gets... 
when somebody gets a little pressure in there or something goes off to where he's got to go off platform, yeah, he doesn't have an answer. And to me, that's on the coach as much as it is on him right now because he's still such a young player. Bill, I've joked with people that I know a little bit that I'm like, I would, I kind of wish you'd go back to school. <laughs> like, I kind of wish, he, I mean, I kind of wish you would go back to school, take another year, because I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. I just, I, I would hate to see him get drafted to like Carolina right now and be thrown into like a pit, you know, like, because it's going to be hard, but either way. Yeah, I, I like him, but it's one of those things where, yeah, there's definitely a lack of creativity or whatever it is in there. Yeah, well, I don't 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 hold your breath waiting on that. Like, <laughs> that's that's going to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he effectively. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens here, but he effectively said goodbye. Yes, and, and that's as he should. Right. Yeah. So so we'll see we'll see where that goes. All right, let's flip over to the other side. Uh, get back to the point you made uh, a few minutes ago about uh, throwing some sand in the gears of a passing yeah. attack. Uh, I I've just felt like Jesse Minter, Michigan's new defensive coordinator was a step ahead of Ryan Day, yeah. and Kevin Wilson, and the offensive brain trust at Ohio State almost every step of the way. Um, I, from your perspective, I guess, how how did they do that? And how how has, like, long gone, I guess, right, are the days of, of uh, Ryan Day just running mesh and, and, <laughs> right, and, not adjusting. and, yeah, right. and leaving and leaving <laughs> Michigan defenders in the dust, right? This is this is a more complex defense now. So yeah. um, what what did you see from Jesse Minter in that Michigan defense in terms of what they threw at Ryan Day? Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, it starts – Last year, they when they moved on from Don Brown, it became less of a system defense and more of a situational defense, right? Where it became less about, you know, dominating every play and getting a sack every third snap and 88 TFLs against Rutgers and all this, you know. And it became more about, like, how are we going to be on third and seven against a really good team? How Are we going to have enough in our bag that we've talked to these guys to be able to mix it up and, and be different? And that was the challenge, and I think that was the – magic of what Mike McDonald and those guys on last year's staff were able to do. And then, you know, the Harbaugh thing right now with this Ravens training ground, whatever you want to call it, like they're, they're just running the same thing. Like Minter ran all year, what McDonald installed last year. And it's allowed them to focus and spend so much more time on situational football. And so what I saw in that game was Ryan day expected a lot of pressure and got it early in the game on first down. And you saw Ohio State had answers uh, in big chunks um, early in the game. Every time Michigan would bring pressure, they score on a couple of them. Every time they brought pressure, they had a check for it, and it was a big play. And at some point, like the second quarter, they were just, we're done bringing pressure. It was just going to be, we're going to bluff. We're going to maybe do a couple sim pressures, things like this. But it was going to be a difference of we can play three or four different coverages on third down that look like something else. That's just what we're going to do for the rest of the game. Every time we get you into third and manageable, medium, not third and two, like they were just kind of like, let's just keep it at third and four and beyond and we'll be okay. And I think that's kind of how it played out, right? It was like, I think they felt we're going to be better situationally than they are because they don't run situational offense. They just run an offense. It is what it is. It doesn't change based on whatever's happening in the game. They just expect to overwhelm people, and that's just how it's going to be. And when someone shows up, a lot of it is like what Mark D'Antonio used to do to Michigan. (laughs) Weird irony here, but, you know, that's how they've played it. And that's how they changed their defense specifically to beat Ohio State. That's 100% what was done. Um, There's no other way to look at that. It was what they were doing with Don Brown was not working, so you have to figure something else out. 
Uh, and it was, you know, Jim and John Harbaugh putting their heads together, and that's what they came up with. It's been weird, and I don't know if it's going to continue because how do you keep doing that? But like, they've got yeah, a good system installed. In Baltimore. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, maybe. Like, I was just like, are they going to start like advertising this? Is John Harbaugh going to be like, look, if you're if you're a smart young defensive coach here, I can uh, get you the fast track to the Michigan defensive coordinator job at 32 or whatever it is with no experience. But yeah, I don't know how it's all going to go, but um, it has been a good uh, a good change for them. They've leaned into what they do best, I think. Right? Like they have smart kids. Let them be smart. Let them let them take on more. And I think that that's that's rewarded them or served them well. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you mentioned the. I, if I had to like levy maybe like one criticism, or I have many criticisms, I guess, of Ohio State at the moment, but the big, the biggest one I think would be of of, of Ryan Day would be lack of situational awareness. Like yeah, just, in general, just doesn't seem to be much. There doesn't seem to be much a feel for it. They just sort of do what they do and kind of hope right. that it works. And like, and this year I thought was kind of the the most heightened example of that with like their short yardage stuff. They can never figure out what they want it to be right. to the point where like they got to a, was a fourth and one against Michigan and like Marvin Harrison jr. Is not on the field. Friend, you're like, what are you doing? The ball to Kate Stover. <laughs> so like, it's just like, they, they, they just really they overthought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, you know, for a decade, which was what Ohio state did not do. Ohio state just sort of went out there and executed mm-hmm. at a higher level than Michigan had more talent, but, but executed at, at a much higher level than Michigan did. And, and part of that I think is, is psychological. Um, it is. which I guess brings me like to my, to my last point. Like you, you wrote this, um, to go, again, to go back to your story, paraphrasing, I guess, like Michigan's tougher, Michigan's better mm-hmm. coach, Michigan's not afraid of Ohio state anymore. Yep. Like all, and you know, if you would have certainly said the opposite of that probably three oh, years ago, God, yes. it's flipped on it. It's it's flipped on its head now, and I like I I don't know where it goes from here because I have you know that can snowball on you quickly if you're Ohio State. The yeah. way we saw it snowball on, on Michigan over various coaches, like where where do you I guess like put this rivalry now with that in mind, and and what do you think of Ohio State's ability to kind of get things going back in its direction? Yeah, I, you know I think that right now this is shocking for Ohio State folks, and it. It should be, but it's not. It shouldn't be desperation time or anything like that. I don't think because Michigan was rock bottom in 2018. That was, and they were 10 and two, <laughs> like I mean, as a program, 10 and three or whatever. And everyone was miserable, and it was all based on that game. And it had been however many years at that point, and everything else. And you know, in the 90s, it was a thing where it got into everybody's head. I feel like that. All these great teams had years spoiled and everything else. But I think when you look back on that, you know, Michigan and Ohio State back in the 90s were almost kind of like Georgia and Alabama. I mean, the talent level was so low. I don't know how we compare or say the same thing in this level. Ohio State's still got a ton of talent. They've still got, um, you know, good coaches over there, especially on offense. I think that the defense needs to be more prioritized in general. And I think that's where it needs to stay. And that's, that's probably the biggest, um, whatever, you know, post urban here that's, that's lagging is urban's defenses were always incredibly talented. And they had, like you said, Bill, they had that psychological work ethic the way that he had with everybody on the team. But like they didn't, they didn't scheme anything. They didn't do anything. They just came at you. They, you know, they just came at you. They didn't do anything. And so I think that in order to take the next step as a program in 2022, that was going to be a thing for Urban if he'd stayed. You know, you have to have a complete team to hang with Georgia, Bama, Clemson, when Clemson was at its best, to be one of those type of teams. 
And I think that's going to be the next step for Ohio State regardless of this. But look, I mean, next year the game's in Ann Arbor. You've lost two in a row, and if you're Ryan Day, you're up against it. But I mean, like, you're on the road. Maybe there's less pressure. I thought this game, I thought Michigan would win this game because I thought for six weeks going into it, I thought they'd win that game. It's in Ohio State's building. Ryan Day's got the whole world on his shoulders. They're a pass off, you know, they're a pass team. CJ gets nervous. There was just, there was too much this year. I felt like that stacked against Ohio State. I would have, I would have thought that would have been a really impressive win, like a hell of a coaching job. And sometimes people don't want to hear that. A lot of times they don't, but like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they come right back next year and are just fine. And, but I think that they needed this, right? I think that they needed to be shocked back into some reality here because this is not the same Ohio State that we're used to seeing. It hasn't been for a couple of years, regardless of this game, you know, the Oregon game last year. I mean, there's other examples, but mm. it, it, they needed this, I feel like, because it's not, it shouldn't just be business as usual. It was business as usual for a long time there. And I think now you, you need some change. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I think like looking back on it now, I think maybe the the loss in 2021 was not quite the wake up call that we thought it was. No, I, I didn't seem like was, it. There was a lot. There was a lot of of explaining away that loss. Yeah, I think uh, uh, an assumption that Ohio State would just return back to its dominance and put Michigan back in its place in 2022. And the the problem with that was that Michigan saw Ohio State bleed, and Michigan oh, showed yeah. up in Columbus right. and was no longer afraid, you know, of, of the silver helmet and the, and no. the scarlet jersey. So. Um, things are back on an even footing that way, and, and Michigan's good. Michigan's well coached. They got they have talent. They know what they want to be mm-hmm. in Ohio State. I, I, identity crisis probably feels too strong for Ohio yeah. State, but they they, they just need to be more complete. Yeah, they just need to be yeah. more complete team. Like I, Day has so many good ideas, and I feel like he has to probably be more open to listening to other people. I don't know. You know more than I would, but I mean, yeah. Um, I'm just looking outside, looking in and thinking, I see a coach who's probably controlling every single thing that's happening on offense, every single thing that's happening. Right. And he's got himself frazzled to a degree that he can't even. So I would, he needs help there. He needs, you know, probably help in the strength department off the field, everything like some come in, look at what we're doing, give us an objective, whatever, and don't be afraid to change things. And I think that that it was, would have been hard for him to change stuff the last couple of years. Urban was sure. killing it, you know, like it would have been hard to do. I think now you have the license and probably the demand <laughs> to change some things. So, you know, look at everything and make the most of it and, and know that you're still on stable footing and you're still Ohio state. And I think that that's, that's the thing you can't lose here. There were times in the nineties where it felt like Ohio state was losing that. Like this is, you guys understand that you're still Ohio State, right? Like you're still pretty, you know. Uh, I mean, they're they're far away from that. I feel like at this point, they are. Um, they're. At a fa- I think they're at a pretty fascinating crossroads. They are, though. Yeah, you're right. Interested, interested, interested to see where it goes. Uh, we appreciate your insight. And Absolutely. And who knows? Maybe maybe uh maybe we'll be talking about yeah playoff matchup. <laughs> oh god! Yeah. In a couple of weeks, which I'm sure uh, will be great for everyone's yeah. mental health. <laughs> Uh, leading up to that game so uh we'll we'll see how that goes uh until then this has been the podcast daily for thursday for nick i'm bill thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys later